Lou Gehrig's disease, or ALS, also known as amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, is a progressive neuromuscular disease that is characterized by a degeneration of motor nerve cells in the brain and spinal cord. When the motor neurons can no longer send impulses to the muscles, the muscles begin to waste away. It affects as many as 30,000 people in the U.S., with 5,000 new cases diagnosed each year, and most are between the ages of 40 and 70 years old. But as you'll hear today, that's not always the case. Today, we are speaking with Lori Hermstead and her twin brother, Mike Haddon, on their journey with Lori's twin daughters, Alex and JC, who are both diagnosed with the rare form of ALS. Lori and Mike, welcome to Vital Science. Lori, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself as well as Alex and JC? Hi, um, thank you for having us. Um, I'm Lori Hermstead, and uh, my twin brother, Mike, is um, helping uh, step in and talk with us. And I have my husband, Jeff, and I had twin daughters in 1993. Um, JC, I mean, it was kind of a shock to hear um, that we are having twins um, because we have twins all over in our family. And uh, before I even was going to, uh, we were going to have children, our doctor wanted us to go to a specialist because um, he felt that I would be a high-risk pregnancy anyway um, with certain things going on. So um, when we decided to have a family, we um, got pregnant right away. And I, my mom and I would go for walks at night, and I, I would just say you know, to my mom, do you think I could be pregnant with twins? I, I, my first pregnancy, I, I'm getting so big so fast, you know? And um, she's like, no, that can't happen because she's a twin, and I'm a twin, and that could couldn't happen three times in a row. And so anyway, we, when it came to our, you know, typical five month ultrasound as people usually go in to get, I, um, the, the gal was really talkative at first and then she got quiet and, and then, um, I started to ask, you know, you know, could, is there more than one? And I, and she didn't answer me, and I finally got really nervous. I said, well, please tell me there's not three. And um, she says, no, but you definitely have twins in there. So wow. uh, we were so excited. And they miraculously were only born three weeks early, which we were felt very blessed about because they, I was a high risk. So I just felt like Jason and Alex were destined to be born. <laughs> Well, let's get into that now. Can you tell us a little bit more about why we're here today? We're here today to talk about um, this devastating disease called ALS. Uh, we, our girls were perfectly healthy uh, all in their growing up years. And when Alex was 11, she began to she loved playing softball and she was a pitcher on her softball team. It was springtime and she wanted to go to a softball clinic and her arm just felt weak. And she just, you know, just kept saying, I can't raise my arm. And, and these symptoms just started, you know, coming up. And as it went, as she, you know, the the weeks went on and time went on, she just continued to progress. So we went to the doctor and nobody could find anything wrong. And they just said, well, you know, she's okay. And we went to a neurologist, we went to a rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, we went to all different kinds of doctors and everyone 
said she was fine. Um, it came to be uh, about two months later. She was going to go to camp for the first time, and I was really nervous about her swimming because she clearly had some atrophy behind her shoulders, and she was having a she was limping while she was walking, so she had a little bit of a gait, and we were just concerned. And our doctor felt like we we took her back to our primary doctor, and he just felt like she could possibly have a brain tumor, and we just were devastated. We got this call right before a softball game and, um, you know, we're struggling. Do we go? Do we not go? I mean, a brain tumor, this is a big deal. And, um, we decided to go and, you know, Alex pitched her last softball game then, and she still managed to strike out a few, you know, she was only in fifth grade, but you know, it was still a passion of hers that she loved. And it was, you know, heartbreaking to know that was the last time you know she would do you know a sport that she just she loved she loved she played football every day for recess with the boys I mean she was just a fun-loving you know girl who just loved to to be out there playing and find the joy in anything in life so so that's where it all started and you know we just started doctoring and and um, nobody could really, I mean, we we went to the hospital the next day thinking we're going to get answers and literally tests and tests later, they couldn't find anything wrong with her. And so we went back a week later and the doctor told us they felt like she had Guillain-Barre syndrome, um, but there was a treatment and she would get better with um, some IVIGs, they're called. So we began a treatment of doing that, you know, thankful and hopeful that, you know, she would start to improve. Um, But unfortunately, it kept getting worse. So we asked if we could get a little more aggressive with the treatment, which we did. And um, she just continued to decline. So we went, um, you know, I remember by... December. This all started for Alex in March of 2005. And by December, you know, she walked her last steps and she fell on the floor. And I remember not being able to help her up. And it's like, here you are, mother, trying to, you know, feeling the emotional helplessness of this. You know, this isn't supposed to be happening, you know, and I can't help her. And it's just, you know, devastating, um, beyond explanation. So we, um, you know, she walked her last steps then. And by February, um, she went into respiratory distress and, um, that's when she chose to be, um, she's 12 years old and she was put on a ventilator then. And we spent like three different months in, or four different months in three different hospitals. And um, we brought her home and um, took care of her for six years. Um, You know, the doctors kept telling us it was, you know, her motor neurons were shutting down. But as a mother, um, you know, that just didn't set well with me, that you have a healthy child 
um, you need to give me a little better explanation of what's going on um, for me to just say, okay, let my daughter die. (laughs) It's just too unsettling for me. And Alex wanted to fight. She, you know, made that clear all along and um, we did that. So her, her, it was looked at as a mystery for um, during the time she was fighting and um, shortly before she passed away on Valentine's Day 2011, um, it was confirmed that she had this very rare gene associated with ALS. And she was 17 years old then. My brother Mike was reaching out to different um, world-renowned researchers, and fortunately, um, this particular doctor took you know our case on and helped us with um, trying to get into some research. And that is where it was confirmed that she did have this rare gene. We promised her we would never give up fighting for her and and in her memory and for her and for, you know, everyone affected um, with this disease. And, you know, in the back of our minds, we, you know, we're always a little fearful that this might happen to JC, but we also thought it was kind of a sporadic thing. So we didn't really dwell on it. And, um, I just, I just didn't, I couldn't put my mind there that this could possibly happen to JC. JC and Alex are our only children. And as a child growing up, the only thing I wanted to do was be a mother. And to think that JC would be taken away from me would, you know, is, I, I just couldn't take myself there. And after Alex had passed, JC didn't have any symptoms right away? No. um, JC um, went on to excel, even going through these teenage years, which can be some of the hardest years of, you know, a person's life, um, going on in life without her twin um, was hard. But JC... um, was brave and she fought through that and she was very resilient. She um, continued on. She graduated high school. She spoke, was chosen as a speaker to speak at their high school graduation. Um, And she always said, you know, you always have trials and tribulations in your life, but it's how you react to them is what's important. And she, she um, forged on and she, went on to um, go to college then and um, got her um, egg sciences degree. She loves, loves animals and cows and horses. And <laughs> horses are her and Alex's passion. When they were four years old, I wanted to do something different than other people do. And so I introduced them to horse riding lessons. And it was it became their passion. Um, and it's still, to this day, JC has a horse and it's, her true love (laughs) so um anyway she jc um when got her degree um with egg sciences and she was also chosen as a speaker at college to um share their story and um you know it's just moved people to um 
the compassion people have to the story because it's just so rare um, to have one child at such a young age to go through this disease because ALS is not affecting older people anymore like the stigma that they um, you know have on this disease it is affecting and young children are dying of it but um, JC got her degree and went on to um, get her first job and to help people with their nutritional um, um, nutrition for their animals and she just um, love, love, love talking to the farmers to help help their animals get the right nutrition they need. So she found a lot of joy and she was loving life. And um, so, yeah, that's that's what she was doing. And she began to have some pain in her back in about November of 2018 and and her ribs were going out and just some kind of weird symptoms. So different than Alex, it sounds like. Right. Yeah, it was completely different. I mean, we always, you know, kind of were afraid, but we, you know, that once in a while when she'd have something kind of strange, I'd be like, oh my gosh. But then I just was like, it's okay. It's okay. Um, but, you know, she, she worked, she was always out riding her horse. She, was riding her four-wheeler. She was always doing, you know, I thought, well, she just, you know, did something and it wasn't any big deal. And, but, you know, it did continue to go on and we thought maybe she had sciatic nerve pain or some piriformis problems or, you know, so we got um, injections in her back to try to help with that. But then, you know, she started, her, her legs started to get heavy and, and then I was worried I, I was worried. Um, so yeah, we, I know in Christmas time, we went to my mom's for Christmas and we don't have steps at our house. We have a one level house and, and I just wanted her to go downstairs with me because I will never forget seeing Alex climb stairs. And I wanted to see how JC was when she climbed the stairs because I would know that would be how I could tell. And when I saw her, I knew I didn't need anyone to tell me. I knew then that most likely we were going to be dealing with this terrible, monstrous beast of a disease again. But JC wasn't quite ready to go to the neurologist to get that testing done. Um, I think in the back of her mind, she probably knew too, but she just wasn't quite ready. Um, you know, she lived through it. She saw her sister go through it. Um, there's really nothing worse than ALS, you know, to lose the ability to um, to do everything. So. And you were able to see those signs because you witnessed them with Alex as well. Right. 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 And we knew, you know, we knew that that's what it was. And I think also because of that, if Alex wouldn't have lived and fought as long as she did, because this particular gene wasn't, didn't get, um, discovered, 
until later on after she was sick for quite a few years. If she hadn't fought as long as she did, we would not have known that's what she, that gene she had, and we would not have known it to help JC. So Alex is also a hero for her sister because it gave us, yeah, it gave us the knowledge to know what we were dealing with when JC truly did um, come down with her symptoms. You have some strong kids. Yeah. Yep. They definitely are remarkable and extraordinary. That's for sure. So then when did the official diagnosis come? Um, JC's official diagnosis came. um, She was, ready and decided that she needed to see the neurologist and um, the researcher we were working with was quite a ways away so we he helped us get it set up a little closer to home and he did help get us in pretty fast although um, the only day they could get us in was on Valentine's Day which happened to be the day that Alex passed Mm -hmm. away Um, We asked if they could maybe change it a day or two, but um, they said they couldn't. So um, we went um, very early um, that day on February 14, 2019, and um, went to the doctor up there. And um, after some testing, he sat us in the room and gave us this grim diagnosis and we knew um, we knew then that's what what we were dealing with want even more science stories head over to eureka.criver.com to listen to sounds of science join me mary parker as i interview drug discovery researchers thought leaders on trending industry topics and patients with a personal stake in the newest pharma research i cover topics from horseshoe crab evolution to cancer treatment with guests who bring a big picture perspective to science stories tune in every month for sounds of science at eureka.criver.com because um I promised Alex I would always be an advocate and I would keep fighting for her to help fight this, you know, disease. Um, I, some, a mother reached out to me on Facebook, another mother who happened to be going through the same terrible monstrous disease with her daughter who happened to be 17. And, um, she also knew of a few other mothers who had lost their children to the same gene. So there was a group of us that um, united on Facebook and um, we all kind of talked a little bit. There were seven of us at the time. Um, We talked about what could we do? May was coming up. May is ALS awareness month and it happens to also be mother's day. And we thought, what could we do as mothers to come together to share and bring awareness to this disease, um, to show that, you know, these young children are indeed 
dying of ALS, and it's unacceptable. And we wanted to do our part in what we could um, to make a difference. And so we all we started reaching out to, to some different organizations and different places to see if anybody would be willing to help um, in doing so. And a great organization um, called Project ALS just were, you know, shocked to hear that, you know, so many children are, you know, have been touched by this disease and they just were without a doubt, you know, they opened their hearts up to our stories and our children and, and actually brought all of us to New York to meet one another and to do research with um, the doctor at Columbia there. And because JC is a twin and um, we also asked if she could come along to do research and they said, absolutely. And so that's where it all started meeting the doctor there. And we did that in May of, let's say 2018. And we did research then and we went back in um, November or October of 2018 to a big gala they put on to help share our children's stories and bring the awareness to the public as much as they could um, because we're all fighting for a cure. This disease is just so long awaited for a cure. We need one desperately. And um, so they brought us there and JC did more research and literally that next month is when, you know, JC's symptoms began. But what a great opportunity to get in front of those people and to raise the awareness. Right. The and it was for the doctor to, it was just like, you know, for, it's so hard to understand because Alex presented her symptoms at 11 years old. Why did it take, you know, how many years later for JC to come down with her symptoms, but yet six months after she starts doing research with one of the top renowned doctors in the world for this particular gene, it's, it was just like a God wink. It was like, you know, we don't, we don't want JC to get this disease, but yet it, it was like almost meant to be there for people, the right people to help her and others. So let's go back to the diagnosis on February 14th of 2019. I have young kids myself. I just can't even imagine that pain, that punch in the stomach. Your whole world changes again. What happened after that? Yeah, I mean, it just, it it was almost like somebody gave me a shot and instantly my body went numb. It was just numb. I mean, the pain was just, it was, it's indescribable, gut-wrenching, you know, I mean, I don't, agonizing, traumatic, it just, there's, there's really no descriptive word to explain how painful it was to hear that our remaining child has the same terrible disease. It's, it just literally sucked the life out of me. I'm like, my world stopped. JC is my whole world. And it stopped. 
I almost feel like she was braver than I was. <laughs> but then, you know, we cried and we cried and we cried. And she just kept saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You, you know, you buried one child. Now you're going to have to bury another one. She was more worried about me than herself. Wow. So, yeah, for those two days. And, of course, after we got this diagnosis, you know, we had to travel three and a half hours away. It was February, winter time in Minnesota. We had snow, to drive home in a blizzard, uh. blizzard, wind and snow. So it took us, we actually thought the interstate would get shut down on our way home and we'd be stuck stranded somewhere. Um, so it took us twice as long to get uh, home wow. than normally. So the whole, the whole couple days was just like a blur and numbing. Like I just, it's just so hard to, to recall um, because you just, you're, you're, you're going through the motions, but you just feel like everything is behind you because everything just stopped. So, and then literally, um, you know, we, we were in touch with, um, about, you know, what was going on with the doctor and everything. And literally that, you know, by the next day we were on a phone call with him and, you know, he just brought life back into us just because, you know, he, could not and did not guarantee any kind of a cure to us. Um, but he did give us some hope. And, you know, he's very guarded because, you know, it's this is a disease that has no cure. Um, but they had some good things going on, and he just wanted us to know that he was cautiously hopeful all along. It, there was... It was very upfront and open that there was no false hope here, um, but there was hope, and that's what we were clinging to because our unwavering faith is what has kept us grounded, and we just believe that there's there's a higher power here, and there's something big going on, and we just kept our faith, and we just believe that nothing is impossible. And that's how we have moved forward from that day. And I can't say it hasn't been hard, but um, we have just tried to be as strong as we can and trust in the plan. So what specifically was the doctor presenting that gave you hope? He told us that there's something, you know, new out there called antisense oligonucleotide or otherwise called ASL, but it's something that is directed in personalized medicine that um, we weren't even aware that this could be an option or a choice or anything out there. Um, We just know that we had hope with this. And because of that, um, it gave it, it's just breathed new life into us. And we were very happy to hear that 
there was this opportunity that we can actually do that. Mike, you've been very involved with this journey. You hear about this customized drug. How did you push them to let JC take it? Well, first of all, I've been very, very close to JC and Alex um, as my nieces. Uh, we were very, very close. So I, um, I mean, I, I, I lived a ways away, but I, I, they literally grew up with me. So um, the, the research on the antisense oligonucleotide, or what we call an ASO, um, in the other studies with, uh, with uh, spinal muscle atrophy and some other conditions, um, have been have shown very promising results and shown to be very safe. And um, they just started a study using this ASO on the SOD1 gene for ALS, and it was shown to be very safe. So um, our biggest our biggest problem was our issue to overcome was getting the FDA approval because fortunately we had somebody who had an intimate knowledge of FDA regulations and how to get that done in, in, in Lauren Black. So um, she, she really did a lot of work behind the scenes that I don't think anybody uh, probably realizes that we probably don't even realize uh, that she did, that she, she performed to help get JC this drug. So I say JC recognized and realized that this was the best available drug for this disease that was out there at the time. And she, um, she, she, she knew what Alex went through and she was ready and willing and, and able. And she kept on saying, you know, I just want a chance. I just want the chance, the opportunity for this to happen and hopefully work. And so that's what we did. We, we, she, she recognized and realized the, there were some, um, there were some, there, there could be side effects and there could be issues with the drug, but uh, as it turned out that she has had no side effects. Clearly, she's a fighter, but what a tough choice. Understandable. Tell me what happened after the decision was made. Yeah, so we took off. We got a special angel flight. Uh, me, JC, and Lori and Jason, mom and dad, Lori and Jeff, um, took off to New York. We had um, uh, the organization Project ALS, who's, who's actually um, based out in New York, um, some of their people helped us get a, an apartment for the, for the two months. We weren't originally planning on doing four doses. The doctor thought the FDA approved three doses, but we weren't sure if we wanted three or four doses. And um, we basically set up a schedule. Our doctor set up a schedule to uh, do doses every two weeks. So we started, we went out there, flew out June 5th. And then that next week we started with the doses, I think June 11th. And then every two weeks, um, we would get uh, another infusion, but every week we would go in and the doctor would uh, do a checkup on her and do some analysis, uh, uh, things, muscle assessment, that kind of stuff. And what was the name of the drug? So the antisense oligonucleotide, they've, 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 been, um, they've been used in other, other uh, drugs before, but since this was not really an FDA-approved drug, um, our doctor aptly named it JC Fusion after JC. Wow. And a lot of the a lot of the ASOs are named, um, they have the, the uh, suffix of SEN on the end of it. So, um, our doctor just, just decided to say, well, you know, this is a new drug and JC's the first we're going to, we're going to go ahead and name it JC Fusion. Truly personalized medicine. It really is. You know, and the thing of it is, is that this, the, the, this particular drug, what people I don't think understand is that the drug acts on the gene. Well, 
actually it acts on the location, a specific location on the gene. And it actually is, um, it does have the ability to work on diff- actually different, other different locations on the gene as well, not just the fuzz B525. So it, it really, um, it really, I think, can help um, because of that reaction, because it can have that reaction on the gene. It can help not just people with that P525 position, what JC and Alex had, but others as well. So when you say personalized, it's not just the, you know, just one person. I mean, it can really branch off and help very many. So Lori, how did you feel knowing that your daughter JC was taking the drug named after her, her own personalized medicine? Wow, it was. I mean, it to me it was bigger than what I'd ever dreamt. It was that I'll never forget when the doctor said this drug will this personalized drug will be named after her and for others to take as well. And it just, it made me feel like, you know, JC really is the hero that I believe she is. And it just was heartfelt to know that, you know, we were very happy to hear that all the work and what she's gone through, the fight she's put out there, um, you know, has made a difference. And I mean, we, we could not be here without the team, the wonderful, wonderful team of people that believed in JC. Um, one in particular person, we are so grateful that we believe is um, a huge angel on earth to us is Lauren Black. Um, she's invincible. <laughs> Lauren is the driving force, we believe, um, the monarch. She recognized the urgency and the seriousness, pushing forward, fighting desperately for JC. Um, we are beyond grateful for everything, you know, she did to make this happen and um, not letting anything go by that it just wasn't unacceptable. It was, she was fighting hard and we just, um, are so grateful for everything she did. Um, but Lauren, she, I mean, she tirelessly fought for JC. Um, she, you know, not only understood, you know, how important it was and how fast this drug needed to, this personalized drug needed to get, um, done as, you know, quickly as it did because this disease is so relentless. Um, understanding that emergency behind it, um, and the, this medical journey, but knowing the science also behind it, you know, her brilliant mind, understanding all that. And then also, she's a mom. She understands what, how important it is to be a mom, you know, and the course of that and um, the compassion she had to go along with it. I mean, we've dealt with a lot of people in our journey and it's really hard to find someone with that whole package to be so smart and caring and driven to fight so hard for us. Um, We're just so grateful for Lauren Black. Mike, I understand you're very active with the advocacy for ALS. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, like I say, I, JC and Alex grew up with me. So 
Um, I, I, I'm also a healthcare provider, so I actually know a lot of the language. And so when a lot of doctors uh, talked or when we get a lot of the tests back and so forth, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, um, uh, interpretation and, and, uh, of what those tests are and how it affects the human body and, and whatnot. And one of the things that was just very unclear to me the whole time was how in the world could an 11 year old identical twin get ALS? I mean, it was just something that we don't have any better answers even today. Um, we think that we think that um, that they were they were they weren't necessarily born with this fuzz gene, but it actually occurred. Um, excuse me. We thought we there. We know they were born with the gene, but we think that something happened. We think that some sort of stress in their lives. Um, started at all, and it could be physical, and it could be mental, emotional stress. We just don't know. There's just not enough known. Like I say, 150 years of of knowing what ALS is, and we don't have any promising. Well, we don't have anything up to now, and so I kind of took it upon myself to really, um, really dive into the research. What's out there? What's what? What would be something that would be uh, encouraging? Uh, for us to pursue. I mean, at one point in time, I couldn't even walk around my apartment without stepping on piles of papers and research. That was something I felt that I could do for um, JC and Alex. And uh, it's when you, when you, when you see a person that you love the most in the world actually become unrecognizable, it's, you can't do enough. It, it, you feel like somebody took a sledgehammer and, and um, hits you in the gut. <clears throat> it's a feeling that I would not wish up, upon my enemy, my worst enemy. And so <clears throat> um, when, when JC first got sick, one of the things we did is we took our old contacts and the new contacts and we kind of brought them together and they, they kind of started to, they kind of started to um, get some of their contacts and we, we came together with this, this fight for, for JC's, uh, ASO drug. And, um, you know, again, JC took this without the toxicity testing and, and, um, you know, Alex was a hero in her own right, but JC is too, uh, by doing that, not knowing what could happen. Well, these girls have an amazing uncle and clearly you've been an amazing brother to Lori. Mike, tell me where the research is right now. Okay. Well, you know, there's a lot of really good stuff coming out of ALS uh, research in the last few years. Um, and a lot of the, I, th I think it's because the, the neurodegenerative diseases are finally starting to get on the radar of a lot of researchers and I, I guess politicians as well, meaning Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ALS, spinal muscle atrophy, and those, and those diseases. Um, the, one, the one thing that really has bothered me going through all this is that in, in 150 years since ALS was actually discovered, we don't have any drugs. Yes, there are a couple of drugs that are out there, but they don't work. I mean, they, they, there's a drug out there called Riluzol that, that uh, is commonly associated with ALS, and it is the only FDA-approved drug, but it doesn't work. It, it actually, the side effects are worse than what it actually uh, can do. So nobody, nobody likes that. Nobody likes that drug. And, and 150 years, we don't have. There's been no, nothing promising or encouraging for ALS. But in the last few years, that's changed. 
And so um, not just to mention the antisensitizonucleotides, that class of drugs or genetic therapy, um, but there's some other stem cell therapies out there that, that's looking promising. One of them actually is called Neuron. And this particular stem cell therapy, uh, we've, we've, we actually know a person that has taken this, and we also know people have taken it during a trial. And they've actually, not only has it stopped the progression of disease, but it also has, has, um, has uh, 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 they've seen improvements. Um, so there's, there's some other um, drugs out there that we're calling small molecules that one of them actually is uh, the organization that we've worked with, Project DLS. They have a drug out there that they've um, just started. Um, I think they're going to just start. I don't think it's just started, but their phase one uh, <clears throat> clinical trial, which is a small molecule that helps uh, with the, I won't get too much in the science of it, but it helps with the process of getting rid of the bad protein. Um, there's another uh, promising drug out there that actually is able to convert um, the other the other cells inside the brain besides the neurons um, called astrocytes. It can actually help convert those astrocytes into neurons. So there are some really promising things coming around the bend, and and we're really um, that's one of the things out obviously that we're going to be investigating is, is a um, I mean would a possible with the possibility of a combined therapy work. I don't know. Um, but certainly at this point, that's something that we will, um, we'll, we'll go down that road, investigate and take step by step to see what, what is best for JC. Uh, but there's a lot of people out there in the ALS community that, um, that are really, uh, that are really high upon some of the new research that is, that is coming out. I don't know why there, there's, there's more, this much research is coming out in such a short amount of time. But like I said, it's really caught the eye finally of a lot of researchers and politicians. Mike, thanks again for your time today and for sharing your story with us. And Lori, can you give us an update on JC and let us know how she's doing right now? Um, JC is right now today. She just this week, she just received her 12th infusion. And thank you by the grace of God. Um, but we, she, you know, she's, she is completely paralyzed. She can move her fingers just a little bit. Um, she does need assistance with her breathing. Um, she can still talk. And, um, you know, it's, it's still very difficult. Um, you know, we, sh- she's not in a state she would like to be in. Um, but we're still holding on to hope with our faith and, um, the therapists have told us since they started working with her, um, that, you know, they see small positive signs, um, that gives us this hope. Um, so we just, you know, we're holding on to that and, um, we just, we keep believing that, um, you know, things are going to kick in even more and um, we'll see more and more improvements as, as they come. Um, but the fear of the unknown is frightening. So, um, but she's, you know, hanging in there the best she can. Some days are, you know, mentally exhausting, um, just with worry. Um, but we just we just keep keep uh, forging forward, and um, I admire her 
you know, re- resiliency and she's an inspiration to me and um, a lot of people for um, the fight she's enduring. And if people want to support the cause or follow JC's journey, where can they go? Um, they can go to JC has a page called Cowgirl Up for JC. And we try to do updates there. We've done videos where, you know, it is showing her, um, you know, having these small positive changes. Um, but yep, Cowgirl Up for JC is, is where, where this can, where, where people can find her. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I guess I could say too that, you know, one thing, I mean, people, I mean, with our children, I mean, they aren't just a statistic either. They're, um, and people, you know, they're, they're also, JC is our daughter. She's a granddaughter. She's, you know, a cousin, a niece, a friend. Um, you know, this isn't, she isn't just a statistic and she's out there fighting hard, you know, not only for herself, but um, our hope is always, and our fight has always been to help others as well. Well, you've come so far already. So keep fighting and know we are standing with you in this fight. Lori and Mike, really want to thank you for sharing Alex and JC's story. As any parent or caregiver can attest to, ensuring the health and well-being of our kids is our number one job. JC's battle isn't just hers. It's a battle for all the families going through this. To learn more, please visit Cowgirl Up for JC or visit Project ALS. You can find the links in our show notes. As a final note, we realize that the global health pandemic we're currently in the middle of at the time of this episode's release underscores the critical role that science and drug development play in our daily lives. We recorded this interview remotely and we'll continue to do so to respect social distancing guidelines as long as necessary. To learn more about how Charles River is handling the COVID-19 outbreak and its impact on employee safety and our business operations, visit seariver.com.